Welcome to the Cornell Policy Review Podcast. My name is Austin Reed, and I am the Senior Managing Editor at The Review. This podcast series will explore a variety of policy issues through interviews and conversations with figures around the world. Today, we are excited to bring you a conversation between Shivanshu Sharma, a second-year MPA fellow at the Cornell University Jeb E. Brooks School of Public Policy, and Ranveer Chandra, the Managing Director for Research for Industry and the CTO of AgriFood at Microsoft. Chandra also leads the Networking Research Group at Microsoft Research Redmond. Chandra has also published more than 100 papers and holds over 150 patents granted by the USPTO. Recently, he was recognized by Newsweek magazine as one of America's 50 most disruptive innovators. Their conversation will focus on the role of technology in addressing the future food challenges. We hope you enjoy. Ranveer, welcome on the Cornell Policy Review Podcast and thank you for taking the time out to talk to me about the wonderful work you and your team are doing. Before we talk about the scope and challenges of technology in agriculture space, uh, can you talk a little bit about yourself, your background and your professional journey? Yeah, so I'm Ranveer Chandra, I've been with uh, Microsoft for 17 years. I grew up in India. Growing up, I spent a lot of time in my grandparents' farms in, up, in Bihar, in North Bihar. I did, after that, I went to, did my undergrad from Kharagpur in IIT there, and then came to the US right after that, did my PhD at Cornell in computer science. And right after that, I joined Microsoft. I've been with Microsoft 17 years. Right now, uh, mostly in Microsoft research, although in between I've had stints in the product teams, shipping the research as part of products, Microsoft products in Windows, in Azure in Visual Studio and other products. Now I'm back at Microsoft Research. I I serve as the CTO for Agriculture and Food at Microsoft. I also uh, manage two teams. One, I lead the networking research at Microsoft Research in Redmond, which is looking at the future of the internet, future of data center networks, future of space. So what is the internet going to look like in the future and developing technologies around that. I also manage another team called Research for Industry, which is looking at what is the tech-enabled future of different industry verticals. Imagine like Farm Beats was for agriculture. What is that future for retail, for financial services, for energy? And that's something my team works on as well. Thank you for this brief introduction. For our listeners, I want to mention here that Ranveer has published more than 100 papers and holds over 150 patents. Coming back to our topic for discussion today, uh, Microsoft is known for technology, and I wonder how the agriculture fits into the larger scheme of things at Microsoft. Yeah, so Microsoft's mission is to empower every person and organization on this planet to achieve more. We build technologies, we build tools so that everyone in the world is more productive. When we think of empowering every person and organization to achieve more, 
we have to think of farmers who are a significant population in the world. They are the ones who grow food. We have to think of agriculture for food, fiber, the clothes that we wear, fuel, feed, all of that is coming from agriculture. So agriculture is core to our mission. If you think in terms of Microsoft's mission, we have to think in terms of all industries. We have to think in terms of what people do for their living, people who work in different industries and agriculture is a very important part of that. When we think of empowering every person in organization, we have to think of the farmers. We have to think of all of us because we all rely on, on the food that we eat. So that's why agriculture is core, if you think of uh, core to our mission. Now you can ask the second question saying, hey, it is core to the mission, but Microsoft builds Azure, builds Windows, builds PowerPoint teams. What is it for agriculture? So the way we think of it is that the future of different industries is data-driven. If you think of the future of uh, financial services, future of retail, similarly, the future of agriculture is data-driven as well. And as we think of that future, we think in terms of how do we bring that data? What tools do we need to build? Using what technology do we need to bring to help make agriculture go through that next level of transformation to enable the digital transformation of agriculture. So towards that, the particular thing that I'm personally very excited about is this concept that I've been talking about called data-driven agriculture, which is, can you help agriculture be data-driven? And the history behind it, I could quickly talk about a little bit about how did I even start thinking about this? You know, when I started this project on Farm Beats, I started it in 2015. But prior to that, for 10 years, for five years, I was actually thinking about this idea. I was good. I wanted to do it. Of course, it is difficult to do it in Microsoft. But starting 2010, when we had built another technology called TV White Spaces, I started going and talking to several farmers in different parts of the world, mostly in the US, but in other parts of the world as well. When I went and I, I even volunteered in a few farms, by the way, like I spent a week in a farm, I would take a vacation and just go and volunteer in the farm. What I realized when I was talking to farmers, when I was volunteering in these farms is that, number one, these farmers, they work a lot. <laughs> Each farmer that I talked to, like these farmers, they start their day before sunrise and their day ends after sunset. And they are in that time, they're always outside doing things. And what I realized, the other thing I realized was that these farmers, they know a lot about their farm. Every farmer I talked to, they could tell things about what's going on in the farm. Of one of the farmers I met, he could just feel the soil and he could say what's going on with the soil. Another farmer would taste the soil and say, hey, this is what's likely happening in my farm. What I realized was that these farmers, they know a lot. That makes sense because they have been farming there for years, for decades, in some cases, for generations. So they know a lot about what's happening in the farm. The thing was that despite the fact that they know a lot about their farm, a lot of decisions they made was based on guesswork and intuition. Like they know a lot about their farm, yet when do they plant? When do they harvest? When do they water? When do they apply fertilizer? All of those decisions are based on intuition and guesswork. And that is what was when I started the Farm Beats program, that was the, the mission of our program, our goal was to enable data-driven agriculture. That is, we wanted to augment a farmer's knowledge with data and AI. We were not looking to replace a farmer. 
with data and AI. What we wanted to do was to augment a farmer's knowledge. They know a lot. If I give them additional data and AI, they can do so much more. They can do so much better. A farmer can be more profitable. They can practice sustainable practices. They can grow more. So many benefits if you could start enabling data-driven agriculture. But when you start thinking of that data-driven agriculture, you need to empower the farmer with tools, with data, with AI. And that is where I think Microsoft can play a role. We can build these technologies to help a farmer be more profitable, to help them practice sustainable agriculture practices. So you talked about farm meat. So can you detail out like what exactly is happening in that project and where are you now in that? Yes, so FarmBeat started as a research project. So I've been doing this in research since we started this project in 2015. The goal was to enable data-driven agriculture. So how can you, as I said, how do you augment a farmer's knowledge with data and AI? So what we realized was that, well, you know, this sounds great that you could do it, but enabling data-driven agriculture is super hard. The reason it is hard is that because a lot of data from the farms it doesn't come to, uh, it's very hard to capture. Most of these farms don't have good internet. The farmers are not tech savvy. Most of these farms are so rugged. They're the most rugged kind of environment. How do you get systems to work out there? So that was the starting point in research. And we started building a lot of capabilities. The key capabilities we built can be th thought of in two different parts. One was on data collection. How do you get data from the middle of a farm? from the middle of a farm, as well as from other sensors, from other sensors, like remote sensing methods. How do you build, say, a digital twin of a farm? For every farm, you should be able to specify the farm and you should be able to get all the data about the farm. That's what we were after, problem number one. And the problem number two we were after was, once you get the data, how, how do you translate this data into actionable insights? How do you bring AI, artificial intelligence, on this data to benefit a farmer? So those were the two key problems we were after. And we did a lot of research in that space. We published many, many papers on how do you get all of this data to the cloud? And then how do you turn this data into actionable insights? And these are all hard problems. We've made a lot of progress over the years. In between, I had moved over to the product side. We helped ship a product called Azure Farm Beats, which the product is mainly, you can think of it as a platform where you can specify a polygon. The polygon could be a farm, a field, a plot, which is specified as a polygon. For that polygon, we bring together data from a variety of data sources, from partners, from sensors, partners who are sensors, from drone companies, from weather stations, from satellite companies. We bring all of that in one place and then provide you AI capabilities to turn that data into insights. So we shipped the first version of this. It's a very partner-led offering. So in the sense that we are not building something for the growers. It doesn't, growers don't buy our product. It is a product for other ag tech companies to build their solutions on top. And of course, at Microsoft, since then, we've also announced various partnerships with Lander Lakes, with uh, USDA, with Bayer Corporation, and others who are all uh, working with us to, towards this transformation of the agriculture industry. So, uh, so that's where the product is. On the research side, we are continuing to push the boundaries of what we can do in data-driven agriculture and food systems. We, we solved, I think we are the first part which we did address was data-driven agriculture. The new things that we are working on are on four different directions. One is on uh, sustainability. 
That is, when you think in terms of sustainability, we think in terms of for agriculture, can you account for the amount of emissions in a farm? How much, how much greenhouse gas emissions happened? We also think in terms of climate adaptation. How do we help a farmer adapt to climate change? And the third thing we're looking at in sustainability is estimating the amount of, or enabling farmers to sequester more carbon in soil by using the right agricultural practices. So the four key things we're looking at, one is sustainability, which I just mentioned. We're also working on emerging markets, trying to figure out what can we do in, for the smallholder farmers. We're working on the food supply chain, and finally also looking at food production. That is, how do you help uh, produce nutritious food using the right ingredients, using things like plant-based proteins and other methods. So that is what, or what we are doing in this space on, uh, on agriculture. So I want to inform our uh, listeners here that Farm Beats was featured by Bill Gates in Gates Notes and was selected by Satya Nadella as one of the 10 projects that inspired him in 2017. Do you think there is a gap between the availability of technology and access to this? And how do you think we can bridge this gap between farmers and technology? especially with the medium and small farmers in developing countries. Yeah, no, good. You added the last part because, you know, with farmers in, in the developed world, they are more and more savvy. It's uh, the problem there is more around connectivity. How do you bring internet? How, because many of them are already starting to use smartphones. So with an app, they all are mostly educated. It is an easier problem to address for medium to large farmers, mostly here. In the emerging markets, it's a separate issue altogether, right? That is, people use different languages, different dialects. They are not tech savvy. Many of them still don't have feature phones. They don't have full, complete, um, like full-featured smartphones. That is a critical problem of how do you make technology more accessible for farmers? In fact, I recently wrote a paper in Communications of the ACM, which is a a top-tier computer science magazine with Stuart Collis at the Gates Foundation. And we talked about, uh, the, the title of the paper was around challenges and opportunities for enabling digital agriculture for small-scale producers. And when we are thinking of these, we, we talked about what are some of these gaps that need to be addressed. We looked at connectivity. We looked at the challenge around AI. We looked at the challenge around affordability, that is, these things have to be affordable for the farmers to use. And the last one we just touched upon was on usability, which is the question you asked, Shivanshu. That is, how do you get these technologies to be easily accessible? Now, I would say that, you know, this problem is still not solved. It is still, people are thinking about it. Like, you know, some of the simple things around is, does it have to be a graphical interface? What is that UI need to look like for a grower to use that? The other part is how do you customize it? Because you know, even both of us are from India. In India too, uh, there are in every state, within a state, there are so many dialects that people speak. So how do you even get some of these technologies to be personalized, to be accessible? One of the things that I personally am bullish on is on conversational AI. That is, would artificial intelligence allow a grower to talk to an expert across languages. That is, could I be speaking in, in Hindi or in Bhojpuri and you could be talking to an expert in English sitting over here in the US? Or to start with, even within, within India, can you get people in different states to talk to each other, people in Hindi talking to someone in Tamil and enabling them to have a conversation? Now, 
There is technology that in fact is shipping in Microsoft as part of Teams previously in Skype to enable this kind of conversational uh, dialogues. I guess the challenge is to take it to dialects. That is, yeah, we do support globally many languages, but in India, it's mostly just one or two. How do you, how do you really make it work for all languages? But that's something I'm bullish on. That is to make technology accessible. One of the things that can work is growers can probably just ask questions. You just ask a question, you'll detect what, what they need and then answer it in a language that they understand. There are a few companies that are looking at audio-based approaches for agriculture for smallholder farmers. And I think uh, this is aligned around that. I think that needs more work, but that is something I'm bullish on. Of course, on the UI side of things as well, we need to do more, uh, the user interface. And you know, so one of the interesting things is when we think of digital agriculture, it's not just for the farmer to do better, to get more. It's us who will benefit as well. That is one of the, us as in the entire industry. Because the for agriculture to benefit, like when you talk of digital agriculture for smallholder farmers, when we think of that capability, one of the biggest uh, bottlenecks we have right now is good quality data from the farmers. If you can educate the farmers, they can give us data that can help the farmers and can help the broader industry as well. The entire, when we think of the industry, I'm talking of the entire supply chain, like the food that we eat would benefit from providing farmers with the right data, providing farmers with the right technologies. So the point I'm making is that accessibility to answer your question is an open problem. There are some initial approaches that I think are very promising around uh, conversational AI, around even some of the things on uh, computer human interface, there's been some interesting projects there, but I think we need to do a lot more um, to get there. Part of it will come through education as well, getting farmers to be educated. Maybe the younger generation of farmers will just by default start leveraging a lot more technology. But from our perspective, I think as technologists, as computer scientists, they all need to do more to make technology more accessible. You talked about a younger generation, and this was my last question, but I think this is the right time to ask this question. I read this article in New York Times uh, saying, don't let your children uh, grow up to be farmers, uh, which detailed out the challenges the farmers face. And how do you think we can bring a shift from agriculture, or I could say agriculture and food system as a problem, to agriculture and food system as a solution or an opportunity? Yeah. And, you know, uh, this is something I, I personally feel about as well. And, you know, this, this article, a lot of the younger generation of farmers are not doing agriculture anymore. They don't want to do agriculture because this is the, there's much more money lying somewhere else. And, you know, this is not just a problem in the U.S. People have talked about this generational gap in, in farming, where the average age of a corn grower has gone up significantly over the decades. Um, like over 10 years, they, they're just getting, uh, the younger population doesn't want to do farming anymore. But the problem is equally severe in the emerging markets. Like even when I think back of the time when I used to go to my grandparents' farm and the friends that I used to meet there, these friends who taught me how to bike, we used to play a lot of kabaddi together and so on back in the day. These guys, they are not, none of them are in farming anymore. They'll go to the cities They'll do anything there. They'll pull a rickshaw, they'll work in restaurants, but they won't stay back in agriculture. They just want to go to the city and do anything there. And that I think we need to change. We need to show the opportunities that exist in agriculture. We need to tell people 
that this they could be much more profitable doing that, growing food uh, for for the world. And towards that, there are various things that can play a role. There are many things that can be done. One of the things I feel passionate about is by is by teaching the farmers the role that technology can play. Making you know bringing all because if you in in some sense if you think of it with farm beats. we use all the latest in technology for agriculture we are using drones we are using artificial intelligence robots sensors internet of things edge compute all all the latest in technology is coming to agriculture with the work we are doing in on farm beats and the others are doing similar things as well but and this is what i think in in the future we we have to show the opportunity one of the things we did for example is created a farm beats for students kit so this was for high school students so the, we did it in the us where we partnered with the ffa the future farmers of america and we are taking we built a curriculum around it built a kit so and this is for high school students so that when they are in high school they can get educated about they can learn about ai and data but they also learn about its applicability to agriculture and a goal is uh, a hope is that this will show students about how we can bring the best in technology to agriculture how agriculture can be cool again with with the latest in tech making it appealing for the broader population so i think i'm i'm bullish on it in fact i have seen a few farmers now go back younger people who had left their farms come to cities who have gone back to do uh, to do farming because they want to use the latest in tech and i think that is an opportunity we'll see more and more as we start building more of these capabilities around data driven agriculture we'll see more and more of the younger population go back because it's you know they they, they can apply the latest in tech they would actually be at the cutting edge of technology as opposed to now where agriculture is seen as the industry that has been left behind a lot is happening around you in terms of technology at microsoft and you have been working with different partners so like what are some of the challenges or practical learnings about tech adoption and anything which has been eye opener for you which could be helpful for the policy maker yeah there there are quite a few in fact if you ask me about okay what are the what so okay to start on the positive side i think uh, we all need to come together if we have to make a difference in agriculture people cannot be taking a siloed approach it is not one company that is going to say hey we are just going to do this it, because in agriculture there are many stakeholders that come into play and a lot of because you know one of the biggest reasons agriculture has been left behind in terms of digital agriculture is because of this because the data is not all present in one place this data is just so hard to get to just to double click on that you know there was a study that was done a few years back i think or four five years back which looked at 23 different industry verticals in terms of digital transformation and agriculture was ranked last paired with hunting in terms of digital transformation and the reason is that because as i was saying a lot of this data doesn't come to the cloud this and unless this data is all captured you really can't drive digital transformation so that is why people need to come together if they have to make a difference you have to work with the partners people who are experts in different domains need to put their heads down need to collaborate if you really have to make a difference in in agriculture so we've been doing that we've created and you know part of it is technology part of it is business where you need to on the technology side you need to create the right apis to make sure that different components different organizations can talk to each other like 
with Microsoft. We build the Farm Beats APIs. We have partners such as Davis Instruments who call into our APIs. We have Lambda Lakes who, who call into our APIs as well. We call into their APIs. So that's the kind of an ecosystem that we need if we need to really drive a change here. So part of it is technology, part of it is business where you know the incentives need to line up. Different people need to have the right incentives if you have to, if you have to make this change, who like the business models have to work out. If you think of the policymakers, I would say, you know, policymakers have a big role to play in this as well, in different aspects of digital transformation. Number one, I think, is on uh, connectivity. That is, policymakers need to make sure that these farms have internet connectivity, not just connectivity in the farmer's house, but also connectivity in the middle of a farm. This is a problem that we started highlighting when we started talking about farm beats. Most recently, there have been some activity around it. The FCC, a few couple of years back, started this Precision Ag Task Force, which was a starting point of what we, where we started talking about it back in 2014, 2015, saying you need connectivity in the middle of a farm. People talk about precision agriculture, but if you don't have internet access, you really can't make all of these things precision agriculture happen. Because you know, when you talk of connectivity, there was a recent USDA study which said that more than 70% of US farmlands don't have good internet access. If you think worldwide, there have been studies which have said that close to 40% of the world's population doesn't have internet access. If you think of it, many of them are smallholder farmers. They have over 500 million smallholder farmers worldwide. And I think to solve the connectivity problem, again, part of it is technology, but a big part of it is policy opening up the right spectrum, giving the right uh, incentives, uh, making, it, uh, making it much smoother for people to try out new technologies. So I think number one problem is around connectivity, where I would just suggest governments everywhere worldwide to think in terms of how do we get broadband, not just connectivity, but broadband in the middle of a farm. Because with broadband, you'll be able to connect sensors, drones, machines, you'll be able to connect people, and you drive, that's the core fundamental building block that is not existent, that needs to be bridged, affordable broadband connectivity. The second thing I would, I would suggest to policymakers is around imagery, aerial imagery, from drones, from satellites, opening up the drone ecosystem, for example, getting the right regulations in place to allow drone companies to start taking off, to take aerial imagery at low cost, similarly with satellites. Not every country might be launching satellites, but building the right infrastructure to get satellite imagery from the farm, satellite, drones, any other forms of aerial imagery through fixed wings and so on. And uh, another thing I would talk about with, the, with policymakers, if I was to talk about digital agriculture, is on better mapping of farms. India tried that by creating a soil health card, but that was great, uh, great in terms of motivation, but I think the execution could have been better. And just because once it didn't work out as expected, this shouldn't, doesn't mean that countries should give it up. They should just keep pushing on it and enabling high quality mapping of soils. Soils are fundamental to agriculture. They're fundamental to many other things as well, but they are fundamental to agriculture. We need healthy soils and we need, in order to do that, we need a mapping of the soil. We need to know the physical, chemical and biological properties of soil. And for that, the policymakers need to have the right policies to drive healthy soils, to create that soil map. And the fourth thing I'll mention, I won't keep dragging this for long, is the fourth thing I'll mention that policymakers should look at is around 
subsidizing digital agriculture. That is, if you look worldwide, in most countries, agriculture receives a lot of subsidies for subsidies for things like uh, seeds, for you, for fertilizer, for pesticide, for tractors. I think there should also be a subsidy around digital agriculture, getting the farmers to use digital agriculture techniques. This, was, this will help the farmers, this will help the industry, this will also help the policymakers because then they can make more data-driven decisions as well. So these are the four top of my mind in terms of you know, what policymakers can do. Of course, this, this could be a much, much longer conversation. Uh, your work is definitely an inspiration uh, to our generation and next. Before we end this podcast, uh, do you want to share with our listeners what keeps you going? And if there's any advice for students, like you are from Cornell. So if is there any advice you want to give? <laughs> yeah, so what inspires me is, you know, through my work, it's about creating an impact. I know many people would say that, but usually it gets very personal. And if you have a personal mission, it will just drive you that extra bit. In my case, that personal mission comes from the time I spent in India growing up. That is, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. People would think it as, uh, you know, it's the most fun part to be spending time in villages. That was a time I didn't enjoy much because, you know, uh, these farms, I used to spend the summer and winter vacation there. These, these villages, they did not have electricity. They did not have toilets. There were lots of mosquitoes for people who know that it does. It wasn't the funnest of times to be like the rest of the time I'm in a city and spending three, four months a year in the villages. But, the, the, but you know, at that, that time I did get to see a lot of agriculture, a lot of farming practices, how they work. I also got exposed to a lot of poverty. That is, I saw uh, like my mom, she used to do these, these pujas, these prayers, and she used to leave the offerings outside her house. And there would be a crowd of people who would just come to get anything they could get to eat. It's sad to see this level of poverty. There's so many people who are not as lucky as we all are. And, you know, a lot of my friends that, that helped, that I interacted with growing up, they were not well off either. The people I said who moved to the cities and through my work, of course it took time, but through my work at Microsoft, that's one thing that keeps me uh, awake at night, that keeps me driven. That, hey, you know what? I want every project that I do, I try to link it back to say, can I improve their lives? Can I go back? Can some of this technology improve the lives of the people that I grew up with? So that's been the driving force behind my research. Um, and, you know, that, that helps you just go that, ex once you can keep, have a personal mission, it'll help you go that extra mile. Like, you know, I, I live in Seattle and uh, when I was uh, like, when I was more actively doing the farm beats work, I, I would have to go two, three times every week to a farm close by and be it summer or winter in Seattle winters are very rainy. A lot of times I would be driving to, in the rain to this farm. And you know, for a computer, computer scientist, this is not a normal life. There's a computer scientist, you sit in front of the computer and do your work. So I was like, why am I doing this? It would be like, but then, you know, the, the thing you would I would tell myself is, hey, if what you're doing, even if 1% of that works out, you would be changing the lives of farmers in some place. That gives that extra bit of motivation to go that, to go that extra mile to make that, to make a difference. So uh, yeah, for students, I was at Cornell. I never, you know, when I was at Cornell, I didn't, yeah, 
I was, I, I was only in the engineering quad. I didn't really interact much with people in other quads. But uh, now these days when I visit Cornell, I'm often in, <laughs> in CALS, in the agriculture department, meeting faculty there. That's I work very closely with faculty in, in CALS. And one of the things I would say is, yeah, go interact with people outside your school. You, there's lots of things, and that's where technology is headed. There's going to be a lot of interdisciplinary work. People are working across disciplines to create that difference. So be open to that opportunity, make friends, make connections, because you never know who's going to be your closest collaborator 10, 15 years down the line. And the world, I think, is uh, the thing I like about the younger population is they are more aware of the problems that the world faces around sustainability, around climate change, around food, around soils. And I think that awareness is the very first step. So while in, while in college, build the right skills, learn a lot, just learn, just be open to learning more and, and be motivated, be driven to make that change. I think the world needs all the smart people to work on the right problems to get there. Thank you for this. I think this is the right stop for us. It was an enriching experience listening to you and I look forward to many more such insightful uh, conversations. Thank you so much. Yeah, great chatting with you, Shmaj. Thank you.